check. What's up? What's up? It's the Harold and Modcast on the HMC Network. It's the Maryland Barrow Network. <laughs> and uh, we're coming at you back from the studio in Santa Monica. No more Scotland. Boo. Boo. That was fun. It was great. It was I miss it. Yeah, I miss it too. Seems like easier weather. living. Yeah, miss the weather. The weather was cool, man. Might not I mean, be easier living if we lived in that weather all the time. No, but the pace compared <laughs> to fucking Los Angeles is definitely easier. Yes. But such Alas. is our lives. This is our choice to live here. That's true. And it's nice. I like it. Yes, it's nothing to complain about, even though we're kind of complaining. Everyone complains about where they're at, though. I know they do, don't Everybody they? Everybody does. Yeah, it's not fucking uh, unique to Los Angeles. Anywhere you go, you go like, eh, it's nice to visit, but yeah, you don't want to live here. Could say that about any place in the world. I don't know. Pretty San Diego. Pretty much everyone's like, "Yeah, this is awesome. Love it." <laughs> yeah, I don't know anyone in San Diego who doesn't say, "I love that I live here." It's yeah, the most awesome place in the world. That's true, especially because uh, a lot of people move there from LA after a certain point. They're like, "Oh yeah, I'd never go back to LA. Never, never." never. Well, it's more chill down there. It's a smaller community, smaller city. It's not that you know Hollywood's not there. It's yeah, I'm sure it's, it's much still nicer. Beautiful weather and it's better it's a weather. Nice city. It's a nice little city. It's smaller. It's got an actual kind of downtown feel to it. Mm-hmm. It's got sports team. Still has the Padres. <laughs> you know, <laughs> sadly they no longer have the Chargers, which is uncool. Yeah. We have them now. Yeah, great. Um, but speaking of San Diego, shout out to California Tap Room, our friend Boomer. Oh, yeah. Who owns uh, and operates this awesome, it's like pretzels and beer. Bar. It's a bar. It's a bar, but it's very cool. It's in North Beach or something like that. I mean, we did a whole interview with him. And uh, you can go check our website, thehmcnetwork.com for it under lifestyle. It's very cool place. If you're in San Diego, you should check it out. I highly recommend it. Yummy pretzels and awesome beer and cool events. Sports, yeah. Yeah. They do a football every Sunday once that football season gets back and underway, which is fun. Yep. Gotta love football in America. So what do we got going on? We got a couple of movie reviews that are now streaming and also some uh, now streaming TV stuff and broadcasting TV stuff. Uh, let's start off with Mayhem, which is a 2017 film starring Steve Yun from The Walking Dead. And uh, it's now exclusively on Shudder. Yeah, that's cool. Shudder's a streaming service of just horror films. Yep. Of varying degrees of quality and uh, <laughs> and relevance. Which you can get as an app from Amazon for it's like four ninety nine a month. It's really not a lot of money. Yeah, but you know, you, you gotta get be a free trial, so you could just watch the movie with the free trial. Yeah. You could do that. Yeah. You could just do that workaround if you just wanted to see Mayhem. Because <laughs> it's a good movie. I mean, at $4.99, you're only getting horror. you, you got to be a big horror fan to subscribe. But, but if you are, it's worth it. Like we are. Like we are. It is worth it. There's lots of movies there that I hadn't seen that I will watch on Shudder. 
I actually dumped stars in favor of Shudder. Yeah. Stars <laughs> is one of those things you go through all the movies. Like, these are just more movies I'm not going to watch. You know, it's like seen it, seen it, seen it, don't want to see it, don't want to watch it right now. Seen it, seen it, seen it, seen it, seen it, seen it, seen it. You know, so it's like, what am I paying for? And their original well, programming is not that great. Yeah, but you, you have bad taste in shows. And no. Yeah, that show's You're trash. You're going to get shit on for that is not trash. That show's awesome, and I will pay for it again when it comes back. It's boring. No, it's not. Whatever. You're going to hate mail for that. I don't care. Uh, so Mayhem is a horror movie. It's very sort of, it's got a similar vibe, like the Belko experiment. Yeah, pretty much. It's very similar. If you saw that or heard about it, where everyone's in an, they do this experiment in an office where everyone has to kill each other to live. But yeah. this is slightly different because... It's a virus. Yeah. It's a disease. It's almost like a zombie disease, except they don't eat each other and they can still communicate. And it's like, symptom is a red eye, one single red eye. It's an id. It's like your id automatically takes control. Every impulse you have, you have no control over it. Yeah, but it also makes you like hyper-aggressive and hyper-sexual and hyper, you know, violent or hyper-happy yep. or, you know... Caffeine stimulates it. Yeah, Cocaine stimulates it. Yeah. Well, what? That's what your id does. What's an id? You know, like your id. Your id in your, like your head where it, we have impulse control and this it takes away all the impulse control and the id is in control. Oh, the id. Never heard of that before? They talk about it in the movie constantly. Yeah, it's sort of a stupid little two-letter word. It's kind of meaningless. I don't like it. <laughs> you stupid. don't know what it is. So they have a red eye and they... Go on a rampage. They kill all of this. But there is a backstory to it's this. It's a which good they backstory. Develop. And it's make what separates it from Bill, Belko. Because Bilko doesn't have a backstory. No. But it's a good film. Yeah. It's very similar. But I think the saving grace of this movie, making it more than just a sort of, you know, anarchy slaughter romp kind of thing, mm. is, is the story that they set up pretty well. Pretty yeah. concisely. And it keeps it's enough story without having too much narrative because it's still a horror movie with you know, a yeah. horror thriller slasher kind of thing. So that story in a nutshell is Steve Young is he, and it starts off with him doing like a first person narrative and mm-hmm. he carries the whole film. He he is a young upstart. He talks about how he started in this company, consulting company, yep. and he moved up the ranks. And he's the one who discovered this case about a guy who had the disease. Yeah, the red eye disease. And, and gets him off on a technicality. Gets him off. Gets a promotion in the company. And he's moving up the corporate ladder. And uh, on this faithful day, he is... Uh, stopped up the ladder by a... A siren, as he calls her, who is kind of a shitty worker who's way up the ladder and has the boss's ear and blames him for something he didn't do. Right, because she fucked up or fucked up the account. All of a sudden, his name's on the account, and he never had that account. Yep. But they need a scapegoat, and he is, in fact, that scapegoat. But he fights back, and he's like, I'm not going to take this. And But as they're dumping him, and the person who's the... He calls him the Reaper. He's the Human Resources is played by Dallas Roberts, Roberts, who you will remember as the Doctor in Woodbury on Walking, Walking Dead. Dead, little Walking Dead reunion. Yeah, and he cool. he uh, escorts him out or tells security to. And meanwhile, this young woman has come 
played by Samara Weaving, who is most recently in Three Billboards. Um, I don't recognize her from that movie. Like, who was she was in she that the movie? Daughter? What daughter? The daughter Her that daughter. died? No, no. She, was she no. the wife no. of Woody Harrelson? Maybe she Australian? Because uh, remember no, his wife is Australian? She wasn't him. Her. I, I honestly don't, don't remember I really, who right. she was. We saw the movie. Like, she's in the movie. Yeah. And uh, she comes because she's being foreclosed on and somehow they have something to do with that with the making the bank foreclose on them i don't quite understand yeah and she's like she represents the little guy kind yeah of thing like she just wants her home to not be foreclosed on and steve young could help her he doesn't help her right. and they find themselves in having to partner up because he's being escorted out of the building just as the building's being quarantined. Yeah, like he's literally almost out the door and you start see signs of the disease spreading throughout the office. It's mm-hmm. like an eight-story office building and you start to see people itching their eyes and getting red eye. And it's higher than eight stores. stores. Well, it's really, it's like a 50-story. Well, there's eight-story buttons in the elevator. All right, so well, what it looks a lot bigger mean? than that. Well, I, that's what I was going off okay. of, the elevator with the number eight at oh, the top. Oh, okay. So unless you <laughs> took something as a, to mean 80 stories. <laughs> no, I don't know. Okay, you don't even know. What do you know? So you he gets dumped into this pit where the security guys basically beat him up. <laughs> yeah, but we have to say why because he goes up there after he starts, he gets infected with the disease and he beats up that one guy because he, he had like that footage of him getting his... D-est at the party or something. Oh. So that guy attacks him and then he attacks that guy and then his like yoga zen buddy is like, no, don't do it. Don't go back up there. He's like, I'm going to go back up there and punch him in the face. Like yeah, the, CEO, yeah, yeah. And the CEO is like a super scummy dickbag Gordon Gecko kind of guy right. and he's going to go back up there and uh, and he gets the, he have to get a clearance code just to get up to the penthouse floor whatever and it actually takes him to the basement where there's like the goons of the building waiting for him right and they beat him up real bad and then his zen buddy comes down and in the melee gets a freaking nail to the back of his skull yeah. and dies and he was like he, he liked that guy so I it was know. sad when he does die and that sort of sets it's sort of like okay now the stakes have just risen in the film yep and that's when uh it goes sort of to the next level from you know the opening scenes opening sequence to like okay now there's murder there's a disease the place is quarantined death is an option yeah. murder is an option now and uh, they lock him in a room where he sees uh the, the, the little the woman, guy yeah. yeah the woman whatever her name is in the movie i can't remember but uh and then that's when they s- decide to team up to, to get to the top because his right. goal is a mission throughout the whole thing and that's what makes it very successful I think is that his his mission is he wants his job back and he wants to get up to the nine which is the, the board, board and to plead his case well and yeah to clear his name too because yeah. he didn't it wasn't he wasn't at fault and right. he was a good worker and he said he worked so hard to get to where he was you know and he had a, he's painting and he has a sister and you know he's he sort of lost sight of what's important yeah and he realizes it. i mean it's really well it's pretty well film. done good yeah, script good because script. there's an arc he has a, a pretty good character, decent arc. character yeah arc. for sure and there's great gore and action, action. and yeah and just the, the it's sort of really it is like we talked about like high rise where they like yeah. the higher up he goes ben wheatley's film ben wheatley's film which is also a book and it's with tom hiddleston and jeremy irons and it's less cerebral than high rise and i actually haven't read the book high rise but you know there might be some things that we didn't get luke evans is also yeah, in I was it just say that, we yeah. saw it at the premiere in dublin because he i've been he's an irish filmmaker right. and um 
there's like elements of this because high rise they slowly become more and more primal, and they have to rise to the top because yeah. that's where the wealth is. That's where the yeah. that's where the the high rise uh, designer resources. is, yeah. and that's where the des- Jeremy Irons is the designer of the hotel. He lives on the penthouse floor, right? And this is like the CEO and the board is, are, on, are on the penthouse floor, yeah. the top floor of the building. But as you know, time goes on because they have eight hours till they can drop the quarantine. Uh, whatever fucking pill or whatever, yeah. and uh, that th- in uh, mayhem. So they have eight hours, and so there is like a ticking clock in this movie. Which mayhem. is also smart, also a yeah. clever script written by a uh, uh, writer named Matthias Caruso, who's Argentinian. That's cool. He doesn't have a lot of credits you'd recognize, but he is one to watch because he's about he's doing a new version of Judgment Night. He's got there's a million credits that are going to hit. Coming up. Coming up. And the director's uh, also not super well-known. He's known in sort of the very indie horror scene. His name is Joe Lynch. Um, but he's also, I think these two are ones to watch for yeah. sure. This, if this movie's any indication that they can, you know, do better work as yeah. their projects go on, that's always a good sign. And, uh, yeah, so it is similar to High Rise where they get, they sort of devolve more and more Mm -hmm. as the, you know, eight hours comes to a close. And yet they can still communicate. They never become like, like guttural and primal. Like they're always. works better in a way. Yeah, I'm glad they did that because I thought they were going to go full zombie at one point Mm -hmm. or at some point by after watching the trailer. In the trailer, you sort of thought that like, okay, they're all going to become like just ravenous right. sort of zombies like they don't eat each other they kill each other they never at any point unless you know there's something off camera of like someone biting into someone or something it's all just sort of brutal weaponry and smashing and slashing and yep. cutting and shooting but uh, yeah they never actually end up eating each other or anything like that uh they end up you know uh, killing dallas roberts to get his clearance to get to the next clearance which is the siren chick and then yeah we don't have her to tell clearance. everything that happened well you know just give a little breakdown yeah but we don't want to give spoilers but i mean it's it, it's a tight script it really is and i think that's what is so successful about it and steve young is really good in it and he's a leading man so that's yeah. that's a big test of an actor you know because in glenn he was a main character but he wasn't the lead which is okay it's fine but in this yeah. movie i'm sure you know after a point your manager your agents like you have to get lead parts if yeah. that's what you want you know what i mean so this was a good place he's done horror he's done action before on walking dead yeah and he had never this was like a pretty big step as a uh, you know leading at man helming a movie yeah you know and he was the biggest name in the movie arguably yep you know so it was, yeah it was a good look for him and he uh held his own he totally held, holds his own because there's a lot of moments of him sort of monologuing to camera and going crazy and getting bloody and yeah. you know, a lot of like um psychological stuff that you have to portray as an actor and that's difficult it must be you know what yeah. i mean you have to go in your head you have to act you know crazy scream yell fucking pull your own hair out you know and do it and you're on your own with just a camera you know what i mean right and you're in an elevator you're losing okay now lose your mind and action yeah, you know yeah. what i mean so yeah. it's, you know it's challenging work as, an, as a good actor well and know? also because there is a definite arc a character yeah. arc. there's development there he you know he learns he changes he develops throughout and I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think this movie is a good example of how, because it is a horror film, technically it's a horror thriller, you know. Yeah, it's yeah. And but it's a good example of how 
really, it's the script that matters. The script if a that matters. script is really good... It matters the most. Yes, because this script is really good. It's really tight. And it that's is. what makes this work. Yeah, and he's tested. And then there's a sort of a love story tied in there eventually with the two of them. And then he, his love is tested at one point. Yeah. And you know what I mean? So... And this movie could have been really boring if there wasn't a story. If it's just like, okay, they have eight hours, can you yeah. survive the eight hours? Because even that, like, if the, if the horror sequences are cool, then it's like, okay, as a horror fan, it, it might be fun. But this, the script makes it more than just another, you have eight hours to stay alive yeah. horror film. And that's what makes it a, a good movie to like a kind of great movie, kind of a like, great really? horror yeah. movie. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because they also, they do these which mark of great script stuff where they you know they have this little device where he has a favorite mug and he starts in the very beginning start yeah and he loves that mug and it's missing mm -hmm. and it shows him sort of being shitty to his assistant mm -hmm. and you see the evil and he finds out that the siren the woman who's his enemy right. has his mug and mm -hmm. that becomes a point of contention throughout it too and it's the way they use it is very yeah, clever yeah man you know? it's bruce willis taking off his shoes and die hard exactly. man it's the same shit exactly you know it's the little things like that and the audience member doesn't really know that it's they're being played with yeah and yet it, it's very significant yep you know and the yeah it, it comes back again and again and then at the again at the very end it's yeah. uh yeah it's a good it's a good good to great film as far as horror goes you i'd know? give it a nine yeah you I know, really would. A lot of would. things get nines nowadays, but I would give this. But, uh, a nine. but we don't give a lot of things nines. No, we don't. But just uh, Rotten Tomatoes does. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you know, we could talk about that all day. But yeah, I would give this movie, I guess, a nine. Yeah. You know, I, why I, not? I can't. I can't. I really give it under it. that because I really do think it's worth. It's worthy of that. It's worth watching, and it's a tight film. A lot of films go on too long because they want to show you more. But it's like if the script is there and you have the beginning, middle, end, and it's tight, just let it let it be. Yeah. Let it let it be that. You know. Yep. I would watch this movie again. I know. I kind of want to watch it again. I kind of want to watch it again. <laughs> I do want to watch it again? Because there's just again. some really cool like. Um, horror like mayhem sequences yeah. may, you know where there's so much stuff going on in the background and having it be in this sort of office space environment yep. it's always cool it's always cool to see murder and mayhem in a, a sterile office environment yeah. it's always a fun thing it's fun to see action movies with shootouts and in, in cubicles yep. it's fun to see movies like belco where they're you know in an off boardroom and they also start good. tearing each other also apart good. yeah belco's great it's just a, it's, belco's it's, more of like psychological horror where this yeah. is more like well this was kind of psychological yeah, it is horror too. too he has to make some hard choices and yeah. people are tested their honesty and their you know constitution and this sort of thing are uh, challenged uh, many times throughout the film he has to make tough decisions about his character yeah all the way to the end and you don't know if he's gonna what he's gonna do yep. yeah it was a great film yeah i really liked it i really like this movie actually the more i think about it and the more i remember the different moments and it's how well it all ties together and then at the end you know comes yeah. together is good, and they didn't have to do anything too overly dramatic at the end either. No, you know, no. it wasn't some sort of falling on the sword scenario. You know, no, it was just like okay, was, yeah, that's it, how it played I, out, yeah, and it's smart. You know, very smart. I, I definitely savvy, recommend it. Yeah, savvy writing. If you can, if you can be like savvy writing, man, the movie will be good. I you know, know, no matter what, impress genre it people. Is. Yeah, you know, be a little savvy. You know, yep. Uh, so the other film we've got is Small Town Crime, which stars, uh, indie king, John Hawks. Yeah, awesome. Uh, Anthony Anderson and Octavia Spencer. 
Um, yeah. It's written and directed by the Nelms brothers, who you probably won't know their credits either, but they are clearly ones to watch. This was a darling of the 2017 uh, festival circuit. Mm-hmm. And John Hawks is a police officer who was We should also say that Octavia Spencer executive produced it. Oh, yeah, she that's right. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. Like, good for her. Very know. cool. Um, John Hawks plays a, an alcoholic, uh, former cop. Ex-cop, yep. Who uh, stumbles upon the body, well, a girl who's still alive but dies from her wounds and decides uh, he takes her to the hospital and he's sort of just a mess. Yeah, he's on unemployment. Yeah. He can't get a job. And when he does get a job, he just says, oh, well, I should let you know I'm an alcoholic. So he doesn't get the job. Yeah, because he doesn't want it. He just wants he to wants drink. he wants the unemployment so he can drink and fuck off. Yeah. And he had, uh, you know, I guess the equivalent of a dishonorable discharge from the police squad or whatever. You know what I mean? For circumstances we won't get into. But Yeah, he, they reveal it over time what, what he did. That right. It, and it, it's alcohol related. It's you alcohol know? related. And then some really tragic things happen. Yeah. You know, and he has to live with that, and so it makes him even more of a miserable drunk, you know? Yeah, and Octavia Spencer is his adopted sister who he grew up with. We don't yeah. fully know the details of his past, but we know that when he was a child, he was abused, and then... Ad- his parents were addicts, and yeah. he was abused, so he went into the foster care system and then was adopted and her family by adopted. her family. Yeah. And uh, Anthony Anderson plays her husband, and yeah. they're great in it. And he's good in it, too, because yeah. we've never seen Anthony Anderson be, like, a drunk you know, yeah, he sort scene. of has drunk moments. Yeah, he's, well, he's just not like the doting father yeah. or the lovable crimp. You know, you know, whatever barbershop stealing. Like he's a criminal, but he's still like a lovable goofball. You know, yeah, he's I mean? not a criminal. Not in this. Yeah, but I just mean he's usually just plays sort of like a funny character. Right. This more, he's more of a realistic flawed. guy, flawed, a little <laughs> flawed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was cool to see him plug do a role where he's not, you know, Mister Squeaky Clean. Yep. And, so and it, it it weaves into this whole you know oh and also Clifton Collins Jr. who we love we, and Robert we Forster and Robert Forster we need yeah. to do a tribute to Clifton Collins Jr. Yeah, he's awesome, man. That guy uh, just keeps working and keeps showing up. He's in it. He plays a pimp who kind of like a pimp with a heart of gold. <laughs> yeah, he's a good pimp. Yeah, <laughs> like he's a tough pimp, but you know he doesn't want anybody to die. Yeah, you know. And granted, those are that's his bottom line, but you know uh, he also cares about them outside of just the money man right but he i mean it turns out you know it's it's prostitution and the girl was involved in that and then she was killed under mysterious circumstances and so john hawks basically gets a little fire lit under under his ass about taking this case and uh, he still talks to guys that are still on the police force. Played by one, played by Michael Vartan, who people will know from um, TV's. What's that show that uh, TV's? <laughs> well, <laughs> that, never been kissed with Drew Barrymore, oh, and also that, um, that movie that that TV series that uh, Ben Affleck's ex-wife did. Smells, please. All right, people know him. Yeah, cool. He's noted. Okay, go very ahead. Very nice, very nice. Yeah, so he yeah he wants to take the case on. They're basically telling him as cops that you're not a cop anymore. Fuck off. And so he sort of sneakily sort of titles himself a private investigator because, you know, he's now personally invested in this because when he goes to get his car washed from the blood, he, her cell phone's in there. And he mm. starts getting these little leads from the cell phone. 
and he's thinking that he can maybe you know figure out what's really going on because he's actually a good cop he's a good detective and he's a good detective and he's a smart cop he clearly had many years on the force you know so he's seasoned yeah you know you, you see you see it when he's going to the bars and questioning people and all that stuff you know you could tell that he had a, he was a good cop who just couldn't cl- stay clean yeah you know which is unfortunate but this sort of gets him clean i mean he still sort of drinks but you see he gets a suit on he gets some cards business cards made he's like a yeah. man on a mission all of a sudden he's not puking in the morning right bench pressing and well stuff. and he gets the girl's grandfather up played by robert forrester to uh uh, fund him contract him yeah yeah and then that sort of is where it changes he did like you said he's a man on a mission and things start to change there's mm-hmm. a lot of supporting cast in here you recognize including dale dickey who was with john hawks and Winterbone. yeah she's awesome she's a well-known character actor she's been, someone you recognize instantly, instantly. yeah you're like oh her oh jesus yeah for sure and uh Don Harvey, who played the uh, the like the bar owner, yeah, the bar owner, has yeah, yeah. been in millions of things. Yeah, um, Casualties of War, Eight Men Out, Taken, the Taken movie. Like, y- yeah. you'll instantly recognize him. He always plays kind of a thug. Yeah, kind of a you know unsavory character. Um, and also Daniel Sunyata, who um, from The Dark Knight, and um, he's. Uh, he plays the other cop. Yeah, he plays the other cop yeah, who doesn't like him. Right. Who do real? They yeah, because they think he's you know he's he fucked up. up. He was he drunk on up. the job. He was drunk on the job, and somebody you know suffered for it, and it wasn't him. Yeah. So so now he's a man on a mission, but he also has to watch out for the cops who don't want him around. And then he, he, as things start to unfold, there's these hitmen who are out. And they're, they're bad trying guys. to, you know, tie up loose ends. Yeah. And they really get to tying up loose ends. Oh, yeah. And it becomes pretty fucking uh, shoot em up. Gory, too. A little there's gory. some gore in it. Yeah, for sure. And there's some great shootout scenes, though. Really yeah. sort of, uh, maybe not like Sicario, but a little more true to life style yeah you know at least in film portrayal shootouts especially at the end and stuff like yeah, they're the pretty end, cool there's a very cool shootout scene. yeah it's great uh i it's a good film it's not a great film i wouldn't say it's as good as mayhem i'd, I'd give it like a an i don't know what would you give this i don't know like an 8.4 or an 8.2 or yeah. something yeah i don't know it's good I, by the end of it i really liked it and they sort of made it seem like there could be a sequel because the way they it say that does they're like set up that way, yeah, yep. it set up that set up, sets up that way, yeah. It, and I would watch that sequel. You know what I mean? I, would I guess. Too. I mean, they're making a Sicario sequel, and I want to see that really bad. Yeah. So this movie seems like a one-off thing, but I, you know, I liked his character, John Hawks' character. Me too. I liked the way it was shot. I liked the way the action was shot. You know, it sort yeah. of had a Breaking Bad vibe. It's kind of like. Barstow, California. Yeah, you know? Whittier, I think. Or no, no, it wasn't area. Whittier. They said it even in the thing, and it wasn't Whittier. Oh. It was like Central California yeah. or something like that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I really like this movie as a straight to download, you know, as a streaming. Yeah, absolutely. It's worth the rent. It's, you know, it's, we've talked about this a bunch before where 
audiences tend to not like films where the protagonist is kind of a scumbag. And uh, we'll talk about that in a minute with this film we saw, Suburbicon. um, Which totally got... Shit on and shouldn't have. Just forgotten, too. Yeah. Got completely forgotten in the awards uh, listings. Well, because it got panned by the critics. Which is crazy. Yeah. But his character is kind of a scumbag, but he turns around enough... Yeah, like and, a lot of people, characters do that though. A lot of movie characters start off as jerks Suburbicon, and come around. But that's the other not way. talking about Suburbicon. <laughs> we're talking about this movie. Suburbicon is like a thing on its own, and that's I feel like is a better example of that than this. This is more sort of standard American anti-hero kind of thing. Yeah, Suburbicon is like a true american tragedy like that only the coen brothers could written by of. the coen brothers right. directed by george clooney are we talking about spurcon now let's talk about let's it and uh starring matt damon julianne moore and it mm-hmm. it came out around i don't know like right? november october yeah, they, they obviously wanted it to be a contender sure george clooney directed it of course and matt damon stars in it julianne moore's in it. it's like it's clearly coen brothers and it's co- written by the coen brothers but it's apparently like an old, old script from like 25 years ago or oh. something. It goes way back and it never got made. And I don't know how much they had to rewrite it or if they did at all, but it's their, it's their work. It has the fucking detail and, uh, man, it's it's a Coen Brothers script. Yeah. It's genius. And you're not really sure if you're going to like it even. And then by the end of it, you're like, this movie is a fucking genius yeah. movie. Yeah. What the fuck? I know. What kind of dumb turkeys? It got like 28% on Rotten Tomatoes? by audience. 28 was critics. I mean, Unbelievable. And, but, I'm, but I think to tie it back into what I was saying, I think that it got, got that because Matt Damon's character and Julianne Moore's character, they're awful. and they, they But they go from sort of bad to really bad evil to people. worse and worse and worse and they yeah and that's that's their arc that yeah. it's like a descending arc it, and it doesn't come back around and and that's what makes it such a good movie because you're seeing those characters go that way and that's the way the movie's written it's not meant to be like well i would have liked it if he would have you know came around and yeah did the right thing it's like that's not what this movie is it is a tragedy it's like a greek tragedy told in the 1950s americana suburbia yeah you know and it's a really sort of small location you know it's the it's the house the it's the office yeah. in the little neighborhood you know but they can do so much with the characters and the script and the character development that by the end of it you're like wow and just the way it twists yeah. and the way everything sort of settles up at the end and then it's still left open because they have a son oscar isaacs is also in yeah, it. oscar isaac is in it does a great job uh you know he's like lewin davis he's like a a detestable protagonist but makes yeah. a fucking really good movie for god's sakes yeah Lewin davis amazing film this movie was very very good script and it was well directed and well acted yes i think people they just don't want to see a tragedy, you know what I mean, or what, or just the lead characters, you know. Yeah, they don't want to see it, or they don't want to praise it, or something. Well, didn't you also say that there was Matt Damon fatigue? It felt like that because <laughs> there was 
right after this movie, that downsizing movie yeah. was set to come out. And I think people were like, well, which Matt Damon movie am I supposed to see? They didn't see either. Well, he had another one. And he had summer, another one. He? And he had another one. Yeah. Yeah, it, was, it felt like it. And none of them were successful. He had like a string of unsuccessful of Just films. sort of like lukewarm. And then this one was yeah. really unsuccessful. Yeah, it's a shame because Matt Damon does a good job, but it's you sort of, you sort of sp- spread your fucking brand out too thin and then it affects everything because yeah. downsizing got really bad reviews didn't it it got uneven reviews not like this no this one got really yeah, bad reviews. It, it was sort of uneven but it did better and it, it was it, you know and but i suspect it, it wasn't as good a film as this no i mean just watching the trailers it seems way more sort of sticky mm-hmm. like look look there's a giant ball of vodka but it's really just a regular size ball of vodka and we're <laughs> tiny little people but this movie is layered, yeah, nuanced, and there's twists and turns yeah. that you don't expect. And then they set little things up, and then by the end, you're like, oh, shit. Like, oh, my God, you know? Right. The way they reveal things piece by piece, you know? Well, and, this, and the subplots of the neighbors being an African-American family with the little boy. Moving in next door, or like across. A like, they, have, they share a backyard. Yeah. And they are... Uh, this is Connecticut, by the way, and right. th- their neighbors every night come out and yell and play instruments. To tr- they're trying to bully them into leaving. Yeah, and it starts off with just a car with two sort of like goon teenagers just parked in front of their driveway. Yep. And then by the end of the film, it's literally like all three sides of their house is surrounded by people and the cops are trying to hold them back and it becomes a small riot. Yeah. And the family's just inside their fucking house hiding, hunkered down, waiting for it to stop. Right. And hopefully that they're going to survive. And without spoiling too much, literally simultaneously as that's happening, like across the, the street, not even, yeah. there's a like Greek, Greek tragedy. tragedy of murder and <laughs> deceit and lies and poison and stabbing yeah. and shooting. It and is almost like Macbeth. It, it is. is. It There's is, man. Macbeth tones and, to this. Yeah, and and like Hamlet, Hamlet tones. Yeah. It's quite fucking fascinating. Unbelievable, really. By the by, the time you get to the end of it, because it starts off very ambiguous. You don't know what's happening. And Julian yes. Moore plays two characters. And right, you're sort of like twins. twins. Yeah. yeah. And so you're sort of like, what's going on? And these guys are in the house and they're t- they tie up Matt Damon and the boy and the family and then they chloroform them. And you're sort of like, so, so is Matt Damon in cahoots or are they being robbed? Because that's what they say, like, just take what you want and leave. You, you know? don't know. You suspect, but you don't know. And I think that's part of the problem for people is it does. It is a little vague, but it's I, worth it. It's worth it. I got to say. Trust it. Fuck. If you're a Cohen Brothers fan, right. you will you got to see this film. Yeah, man. And you got to stick it out stick through, through it. Stick to it. I mean, you'll appreciate it. You'll appreciate it. Yeah, and by the end of it, then you'll really appreciate it. And you'll be like, "Oh, I should have saw this in theaters." Yeah. You're going to see it in theaters because it was like a Cohen Brothers thing. It's like, "Yeah, okay, I'll go." You go to the Landmark or whatever and go see it, and then it got all these bad reviews, and you can't trust the reviews. No, we got to stop listening to reviews. Well, we don't mostly. Yeah. But when something gets 28%, you think it's unwatchable filth or drivel. But, I think it's Paul Blart Malkblart. But the thing is, and we've talked about this before, the algorithms with Rotten Tomatoes are designed to just be complete bullshit and be manipulated because they do, it doesn't, you know, you have Marvel movies in the 90s and then you have movies that like, like this, or like this that get 20, this is ridiculous. Yeah, like all Marvel movies are in the 90s. That's the Which thing. Which is like, it, it's so 
bought and paid for. It's like getting like all albums in the source, getting five mics. Yeah, in the '90s and shit, or like uh, in the 2000s. It's yeah, like, oh yeah, any rapper that does this gets five mics in the source. Yeah, yeah, it's the same type of shit. You can't just give every Marvel movie 90 plus percent. <laughs> it just that's not how movies work. I know. I mean, or if that's not how film criticism works. Or right. it didn't used to work that way. Now but it's it's like you're getting a, a rating on how many tickets it sells. Like yeah. you can give Marvel all 90s for ticket sales. Well, but it's not only that. It's that they it pull, is only that. Well, they pull from these large numbers of outlets that are not real film critics. I mean, we go to Comic Cons with these folks. They're none of they're just like whoever's. They're, you know. Yeah, most of them. So, um it's a good film. If you're a Coen's Brothers fan, you should see it for sure. You should stream it. Well, it's super Absolutely. timely now, too. They knew what they were doing. Like, this yeah. movie could have been nominated for Oscars. Absolutely. Just the, it's a lot of social commentary. Takes place in the 50s. Very relevant today. Yeah. The white, this all white, you know, perfect, you know, nuclear family. And then across the way, the black family being terrorized by the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And all all the while under their nose, there's this whole sort of cat and mouse murder game being played. Yeah. And they don't even know. Yep. It's unbelievable. Yep. It, it's so funny. It's very timely. And it's a shame that more people won't see it. That's really the big I know. disservice is that a lot of people will probably never see this movie. And it probably could have won a best picture or a screenplay, best screenplay at it, the Oscars. It for sure should have been nominated. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and Clooney might as well have been nominated for best director. I know. Like I haven't seen Lady Bird. If I hear it's, a li- you know, okay, okay. That's what I keep hearing for every yeah. person that's like, oh, it's, uh, it's amazing. Most people are just like, yeah, it was okay. okay. It's like exactly what it looks like. It's a teenage angst movie, sort of, except not even that dramatic. Pretty much none Bumble of the cord. films that are up for Best Picture, I think, should win except Dunkirk. And I like we've said this before: Dunkirk. Blade, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. I would have nominated. nominated Blade Runner. Right, Blade Runner should have totally been nominated. Yeah. and the fact that it's not, is, it's nominated for production design and cinematography and stuff like that. Yeah, but, but it, like that's another thing. Is if you're, you're going to nominate it for all those things and nominate it for Best Picture, yeah, that's what happened with Mad Max. It's like you can't give it all these awards that are aspects of a great picture. And they give it to Spotlight. Yeah. That the, should have won just the screenplay yeah, award. Or or anything at all, or who cares? Yeah. Like that movie's fine. It's a cool story. It's not a best picture film. No. No, it's not. And yeah. Blade Runner is. Well, the awards are such bullshit. We know it. It's all bullshit. Every year it's bullshit. Yeah. Every year it's bullshit. Uh, another thing that we have gotten into recently, which is now currently um, being broadcast on TNT, but you can also watch it for free online on their website, um, or you can purchase the season on Amazon, is The Alienist, based on the book by Caleb Carr. It stars, stars Daniel Bruhl, Luke Evans, and Dakota Fanning, and it takes place in 1896 New York, uh, where they are... Uh, where Daniel Brühl plays the alienist, which is basically what they called psychologists Shrinks, back yeah. then. Yeah, or criminal psychologists. Crimi- He's yep. basically like a criminal profiler in the early stages. It's pre-Mind Hunter. Yeah, which is it's also very yeah. similar to Mind Hunter. It is similar because they're introducing new ideas and new ways of analyzing crime scenes yep. and new ways of sort of profiling uh, criminals and trying to catch perps with 
different ways of you know identifying evidence and connecting fingerprinting right they're using fingerprints that sort of thing yeah it's fucking very interesting story it's dark too it's very dark for tnt too it's like wow yes they stepped their game up it's a little penny dreadful it's a little uh, taboo it's a little True Detective. Well, Carrie Fuganaga, right. who did True Detective season first one. season, um, is involved as an executive producer and also wrote some of the episodes, one of the best episodes, of course. Of the show, of this season, yeah. not of True Detective. Of- Although last night's episode, it's on Monday nights on TNT, and it it started off, I mean, I liked it instantly, but it was a little uneasy. They sort of hadn't gotten their rhythm, but now it's really sort of found its character development and rhythm and it's getting well this really is good. what the fifth episode i think so and I, there's 10 episodes yeah 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 i mean you saw it first before i did you're like you got to watch this and i tried to watch it by myself i was like ah, i'll come back to it and that sort of thing and then once i actually really sat and watched saw it through yeah the more i got through the first two episodes i was like oh this is good it's good and then by these last two episodes three and four i was like waiting for the fifth yeah you know what i mean i was like oh gotta watch alienist you know and it's it's good well it was on my radar because i actually read the book years ago that's cool and it's an interesting story because it's it is uh Teddy Roosevelt in it as the commissioner of the police department. Yeah. And so you've got this whole real history being woven in. The corrupt in. police department. Yes. He's trying to clean up the corrupt New York police department. Yeah. And they're part of... Oh, oh and also Ted um, Levine. Ted Levine plays the former, old, commissioner, former commissioner who's corrupt. And he's still in on it. Yeah. He's just retired. And, and he's awesome, too. He's awesome. An interesting small role by Sean Young, yeah. who manages to find another Hollywood part after Go figure, years. Yeah. She got banned from Hollywood. Yeah. Speaking you know, of Blade Runner. Blade Runner yeah, right. and Wall Street and... Being a um, psycho. Yeah. <laughs> no way <laughs> out. A million psycho. movies in the 80s until... She kind of became a psycho and no one would hire her again. Yeah, that happened. She's good in this. She plays the mother of like a a potential bad guy. Potential murder suspect. Because what happens is there's this whole really dark, uh, you know, part of this show, which is about boy prostitution. Yeah. There's a big part in the show. It's about young boys that dress up as women for the entertainment of adult men. And are in a brothel. And it's a brothel of boys. Yeah. Poor little boys. I know. Of all varying ages from probably 17 down to 8 or 9. Like very, you yeah. know. We said it was dark. It's dark. It's dark. It's fucking dark, but it's a good show, man. They're the ones who are being killed, and someone there's a serial and killer. And not just killed, eviscerated, mutilated, yeah. eaten. You like know? a Jack the Ripper thing, it but is. with young boys. Boy prostitutes instead of female prostitutes. But he but the angle they're going is from this sort of the psychology version. And right. Luke Evans' character um in the book is a newspaper reporter. In this he's a uh, drunk. <laughs> well, he's a, he's a, he's a cartoon. He's an illustrator, and so he's brought in to draw the crime scene because Daniel right. Bruhl's not allowed to be there. Yeah, this is the other thing. Like they're sort of on, you know, not thin ice, but they're they're, they're coming in through Teddy Roosevelt, but they're not working with he the went police to department. With Teddy Roosevelt, right? Yeah, and Teddy Roosevelt brings them in for a second opinion, and not knowing that you know how corrupt the police department is with this, and how in bed they are with right. you know keeping this covered up. 
Well, and Dakota Fanning plays Roosevelt's secretary, mm-hmm. and it's very rare that a woman would be working in the police department. And it's a cool character for a, a, a female character because she's smart and she's figuring things out. She's got a real detective's mind. Well, and she's learning as she goes, and yep. she's becoming more savvy as the episodes go on. Yeah, you know, she goes from just sort of like standing aside and watching them work to sort of piecing together, uh, you know, potential, uh, you know potential suspects and this sort of thing right you know and she sort of yeah sort of becomes more a part of the the crime solvers the team of crime solvers you know which is cool and then they've got these two brothers who are or basically forensics forensics. yeah Yeah. forensics which is also new and no one likes them they should have easily lent over to him because the police don't want them yeah but they are members of the police department but the actual like you know beat cops and the captain who's corrupt who's like the real corrupt one doesn't want anything to do with them so he's like yeah you go do what you want i'll give a fuck and so they become very key uh part of this crime team they end up having a hideout they have like an hq headquarters and stuff (laughs) you know it's it's fun it's a good show it's good it's I, we're kind of, you're kind of on the edge of your seat waiting for more and to see where this is going to go and i mean I, I read the book years ago so i i basically know what's going to happen but i don't at the same time i find myself sort of mm-hmm. acting like a viewer who's never seen this before and i think that's a testament to that they're doing a good job with it yeah yeah i you i really enjoy um how they keep you guessing because they sort of show you who the person might be like you know some but movies now we're kind of like, but now you don't know yeah yeah no. they kind of introduce the person and but then you're you like them. wait a minute like, so it, it's yeah. very interesting it's I, I dig it i um i don't know what would you give it as a rating but i don't know it's not done yet but yeah i, I don't know we'll, we'll wait on that. i would say right now watch it rating R- watch it rating yeah. yeah absolutely watch it don't hesitate you can watch it for free it's, it's on tv free. and it's, yeah you don't have to be you have watch hbo it on computer for free you don't even have to have a cable account you can just go on tnt's website and watch literally it? stream it see that's free. great they're doing yeah. that man that's, that's the, the new age have to do with content let's face which it. is crazy because there's more content being made now than ever and it's more expected. The expectation is to have it be more free than ever, which is sort of a weird place to be right now. Well, speaking of more than ever, Ryan Murphy just got three hundred million dollar deal with Netflix. Netflix, and it's there's a lot of people talking about this, saying, "Was that a dumb idea?" Because Netflix philosophy is, you know, because they don't buy have, everything. they're not making a profit, right? So buy everything because we need to stockpile the few for the future so that we right. have everything. Yeah. But my, I just wonder, like, aren't we at, don't you think we're going to get to a point where no one's going to be willing to pay for content? Because we already are forced to see advertising with everything, even yeah. if we pay for subscriptions and stuff, essentially, except Netflix, which they don't have any, which is why they don't make any money. But right. we're forced to have ads wherever we are, whatever we're doing. Yep. I just feel like ultimately the demand for it is going to be and you can get this stuff for free if you want to anyways online. Yeah, torrents and stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah most like, people do. I can't imagine a how a subscription model is going to sustain in the future. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what yeah. what the future holds. It's all going to be in a fucking uh, eye lens and you put it in your <laughs> eye and you just sit there and watch it. And yeah. They just take money from the microchip in the back of your head or whatever. Right. Who knows? Yikes. fucking knows? Yeah, I really you know, don't know where this is going, but I know $300 million is a lot for the guy that did you know american horror story and glee and glee you know i guess they want him to do all sorts of stuff yeah who knows 
musical horror show, you know? <laughs> Who knows? I think that's a crazy number. It's a crazy number, you know? It also sets a precedent that... That's like one Avengers movie, for God's sake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, which is also f- kind of fucked up, but... Well, and also, it's like, you know, South Park did that joke on the episode where some they're Netflix and they answer the phone and they just take it. They're like, sure, what do you got? Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. You Hi, know? Netflix, sold. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly right yeah man that's what it feels like yeah you know and every time you turn on netflix there's a new thing being advertised on that opening you know screen yeah like new show new comedy special new movie new netflix original yeah like i haven't heard of any of this shit some of it's good though yeah like did we talk about the ritual that was a good movie the ritual was a good movie. And that was a Netflix original, British cast, all British cast. That was British a great film. movie, and D- uh, yeah, one of the cast really members is the you know the bad uh, footman in Downton Abbey. Yeah, I didn't watch that one, but well, lots of people did. A lot and, of people did. Like yeah. it's weird to see him in a role where he's kind of the good guy, but it's it's four guys who go on a three who go no, on a four. trip to the mountains. It's four. Yeah, it ends up being three, right? Ends up being one oh, yeah, at the right. end of it. I yeah. mean, what do you mean? Yeah, it starts. It's a horror four guys. movie, yeah. and it's very, it's very freaking cool. You should check it out. Yeah, yeah. It's basically they go on a hiking trip to celebrate a friend of theirs that was supposed to be on the hiking trip with them, and so they go in his honor. They end up trying to take a shortcut through the forest instead of taking the mountain top sort of thing. In Sweden, right? Yeah, yeah. And because one of their friends hurts themselves kind of thing. So a shortcut through the forest. And then they get into the forest. They start seeing things. Then they actually see real things. In a cabin in the woods. And yeah, it's it's really good, actually. It's scary. Foreign horror is good. There's a lot of cool, like them. We did that. We reviewed that. Yeah, that was French, right? There's, yeah. Uh, I think so. There, there's a lot of cool foreign horror out there. So if you're a fan, go check it out. Yeah, and it's just another way to see good movies you haven't seen before. You know, how many times can you watch Friday the Thirteenth? You know, I don't know. Every year, once a year at yeah. Halloween. Yes. More or less. I can watch Halloween, the original, over and over and over and over again. I do every year at Halloween. It's like watching freaking you know Christmas Carol. <laughs> it basically, is it's I the know. same tradition. I do You're the right. same shit on Halloween as I do on Christmas. That's true. I pull out all the old movies, try to find new movies, and watch them for a month. Yep. And then I watch you know Muppets Christmas Carol and Elf <laughs> two months later. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, I think that's it for us. Yeah, I think that's it for now. You know, we got stuff coming up. What do we got coming up? Well, the Oscars is coming up. The Oscars is coming up. Uh, Emerald City Comic Con is coming up in Seattle. For Mm -hmm. fans of the con life, you can see we'll have some blog stuff on it. And there's also our entire wrap-up of our UK Mapping Harry Potter uh, trip is on the website at the hmcnetwork.com. So go check that out. As well as other cool stuff. Other cool stuff coming up. New movies. (laughs) We will review. All right. That's it for us. All right. That's it for us. See you, jerks. See you, jerks.